Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. Femba can go to hell. Topical talk, outspoken opinion and inspirational conversation on the hour of Badass Power. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators but no one compares. Minter, Campbell and Sexton are your all new Saturday night super squad. Badass Women's Hour on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. One, two, three, four! Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton and we're here with you for the next hour talking all things badass. In particular we're going to be looking at women in film and what's going on with them this week. Are we finally seeing a different side to how women are portrayed in the film industry? And of course we'll also be talking about the UEFA story. UEFA are doing a whole campaign around women in football. Could it be your favourite sport too? And we've got coming up Hannah Witten, YouTube star, talking about sex, relationships and all the good stuff. Plus, of course, our badass balls ups, your problems that we try and solve and our backdated badass, a woman from history you need to know about. All that coming up in the next hour. But we're going to kick off with a bit of talk about women in film. Have you seen the new Wonder Woman? What did you think of it? Or do you think women are being represented properly in film? I don't know. Emma, what do we think? Oh, I'm very excited about the Wonder Woman uh, film. I was up uh, last night researching for the show and I got lost in YouTube watching videos of Gal Gadot, um, the lead actress. Uh, what a phenomenal human being. Just really, really enjoyed like watching her and watching some of the outtakes from the film. Um, but I think it's really interesting, a lot of the narrative around this show there's the backlash about the women only screenings um tell us a bit about that they started doing they've done some like um previews of the of the of wonder woman and their women only screenings and there's been a bit of an uh, a backlash on this mainly by men going why is there women only screenings that's not equal um and uh yeah just sort of it's just that constant narrative isn't it it's like this is a really big moment for us as women because we never have films like this not only is it film depicting somebody who is you know quite a, a heroine of a lot of us but also it's been directed by a woman i must admit when i first saw wonder woman in her sort of skimpy outfit I did roll my eyes a bit but actually there was a, a really nice article out this week that was saying that although Diana's outfit might be skimpy the camera never leers or lingers over her and she's always framed as like an agent of power rather than than an object so I'm really interested to see how a woman directing a film of somebody who is in you know mm-hmm. quite a skimpy outfit and how she is portrayed in that. Now, what do you think? Are you looking forward to seeing it? I know that you are an action film fan. I am indeed. And I'm looking forward to seeing it partly because it was something I watched in my youth. Um, I would say my only disappointment, I'm going to be honest about this, is the storyline. And as an action movie um, fiend, I would have preferred the film to be set in modern day. Um, I. What do you think would have been different if it was? What, sort of the, the feminist bit aside, just in terms of my own enjoyment, I like buildings and blowing up stuff and and guns and I I feel like it being set in a different period just changes the narrative even if they did it in in the 60s when you know Wonder Woman was at its height especially um, when it was replayed when I was a child I think I may have just connected with it a bit more so if anything I think the story might be the the bit that that holds me back but 
you know, in terms of the messaging and having a female protagonist and watching a, a movie where a woman, in my opinion, has a full range of um, a, a full sense of agency, then yeah, I'll, I'll enjoy it. Do we need more of these films though? Because actually it does feel like there's been a bit of a kind of push towards female focused films, to having more female heroines, to having more women in lead roles. Have have we not got better at it? Has it is this still such a unique thing? No. It's not necessarily. So again, going back to the action movie Salt uh, with and- Angelina Jolie, that's a movie where I actually think a woman plays a, a role, full sense of agency, very strong character. I'm disappointed that there isn't that, that there wasn't a sequel. Um, but some- the interesting thing about that film is, you know, that character that she plays mm. is a man. So they're based yeah. off books, and in the books, the character is a man. So it wasn't. It, she had to fight to get that role and say, no, I can still do it as a woman. It still works with me as a woman in the film. Mm. And I, I agree on that. And I think going back to the Wonder Woman not being new, we have ex- we have seen and experienced this, but it's still not common and it's still not mainstream in, in action, in big budget movies, in independent movies, yes. Uh, so while we out supporting in the same way I supported... Suicide Squad and all, and all of the other fast things that I like watching. Yeah, because there's been there's some, been some backlash. There's one particular film critic, Steve Rose from The Guardian. He's, wow. He wrote quite a damning piece. And he was like, oh, it's for a big budget trash. It's great fun, but there were hopes for something more. I'm sorry, but I don't care if this movie does like, is not probably the best. How many bad movies have gone before? Yeah. Like, you know, that have male leads have been done through the male gaze. So, you know, this needs to be just the start. I just feel there's a lot of pressure on this has to be a success otherwise we can't do any more movies that are you know portraying women in this way and I'm like I want this to be the first of many we've got a lot of catching up to do. I'm with you I I think there's we could almost over intellectualize it let's just enjoy it for a movie which is my point about the the plot the plot hasn't drawn me in in the same way I would look at any other movie Um, but let's just enjoy it it's entertainment. Yep. Fabulous. So we're going to go and see it. Uh, let us know if you do too and what you think about it. You can always tweet us at Badass Women's Hour, HR at Badass Women's Hour. Tell us what you think if you've seen it. We want to know. Um, so our second story this week is about some research that's been done showing that men are no longer an economically viable prospect. Which, I mean, God, that was my whole career plan. So what am I going to do now? Uh, so the research shows that actually in um, olden days, in the oldie days, If there was an economic boom, you would also see a boom in the number of children being had. So women would go, thank God, there are more men around earning more money. So it's safe for me to have more children because I know they will be looked after. Um, But what we're seeing now in recent times is actually economic circumstances don't make a difference to the birth rate because women are actually able to have children by themselves and they don't need somebody there economically providing for them. I just read this and I was like, who who cares who's still in the western world where we are very lucky who is still thinking about this really and truly emma have you ever dated anyone because you were like actually they're making good money no i've always dated people who could pay their own way i'm like you don't have to pay for me i don't expect to pay for you that's Mm. always been my guiding principle basically but i do feel as growing up the age that i am 40 you know when i was like in my 20s that was what girls were out looking for you know when, when I was in London we would go to all the West End clubs and everyone did have that focus of can I chat to a guy mm. you know because that that was just the way it's always been you know but um yeah I love the way that times have changed I also think there's um the other thing this research showed is that a women are having babies kind of more independently and I know lots of my female friends who are in their kind of late 30s early 40s who are going actually if I want to have a baby I can't wait around now for somebody else to do it with. I just have to get on with it. Um, But also that actually when it comes to marriage, we're no longer interested in uh, marrying someone for that stability that it gives us. It's now about marriage as a kind of ritual and uh, thing that we go through, something that we aspire to. And I know that there was another story this week about women marrying objects and buildings. Yes. Nat, did you see this? Yeah, so there was a woman who married a train station, Santa Fe train station, because she's loved it her whole life. And it hasn't been formally recognised by um, her local authority, uh, but she had a ceremony and she says she's a happy woman. It's it's the only thing she's ever wanted to marry. Personally, 
Uh, I'm not quite sure that that's the route that I would take. <laughs> I find this kind of bizarre because I do think there seems to be like a trend for women marrying themselves and women marrying other things that are not other people. Um, now, I mean, you should do whatever you want with your life. But why are we all still so obsessed with getting married, regardless of to whom or what it is? I blame why Disney. Why do we want a wedding? I blame Disney. Disney just programmed us all to want our special day. I want my special day. Well, I don't. I like, no, there's no way you get me marrying anybody. But uh, yeah, I don't know. There's just like, I mean, some of these weddings are beautiful. The mm. dresses, I can totally, I can totally see the appeal, but... Um, yeah, there's sort of a, I, I do feel like society very much pushes wedding as a success measure. I feel like there's a lot of um, things that are deemed you are successful in your life if you achieve these milestones. And I think marriage has always been one of those. I think subconsciously there's a mixture of things there. And of course, you know, people want to marry people because, you know, we wrap up a lot of um, fairy tale around love mm. marriage and I really want to believe in that but it's really hard when the divorce rates are at 50% right now. <laughs> I don't like the fact that if you don't get married you're sort of considered a pariah or people want to or know a spinster. why a spinster. spinster oh yeah that's okay. my life goal yeah <laughs> it, you know, it, all of these terms for unmarried women whereas men just get to be bachelors their whole yeah. lives and are deemed to be heroic and wonderful and you know it's, it's still probably out there toasting their loins in well into their their older age um although i i saw a, a story this week a woman who uh, has someone hires herself out as a bridesmaid for women getting married so that they have that one person who can be there and support them to their special for their special day and that's when i thought okay this has gone slightly too far because if you've built up such a notion of what it means to get married in your head that you've had to hire someone that you don't know to do all of these things that you think a bridesmaid should do then you probably don't need to get married. Actually, I'm going to disagree. I think that makes you a great friend. You're not putting that responsibility on some, on your friends. <laughs> yeah. You are just paying for somebody to deal with it. That, for me, is true friendship. Uh, never ask me to be your bridesmaid. I can find someone you can hire instead. Uh, so our final story of this week is um, about a new advertising campaign that's being launched by UEFA. And the goal of it is to get more women interested in football. In fact, they want to make football the number one sport for women across all of the UEFA countries. Is this possible? Are we ever going to be more interested? And can we bring women's football up to the level of men's? Uh, we're asking Alison Kervin, who is the sports editor of The Mail on Sunday, whether or not this campaign is going to work. Alison, what do you think? Hello. Um, I think I think it's a very good thing. I think it's great that UEFA are doing it, so that it's a kind of worldwide effort to try and bring women's football up. I think there are lots of really good things about it because I think traditionally when people try to get women involved in football, they go through the men's game. And this seems to be a little bit more thought out. I mean, you need to go where, to where girls are, don't you, to go to where women are to present them with this kind of the, the values of football and that seems to be what they're doing they seem to be much more kind of focused on getting to girls who perhaps used to play football and have now given it up as they got into their teens or women who think it's inappropriate for, for women to play and they're, they're going through female channels to reach them which i think is a really good thing do you think they're doing enough though because obviously when we look at when I think of UEFA I do tend to think of some of the kind of sex scandals sexual harassment problems issues within this the football industry itself that they mm. haven't necessarily been great at dealing with is this just is this window dressing or do you think it's the start of something bigger I think this is I think this is very good I think it is the start of something bigger um, I mean there's a lot of there's a huge commercial imperative to getting women involved in football it's not you know it's not just an altruistic thing it would be great you've got half the population just to have a sport that's hugely appealing to half the population isn't ideal you want women involved so i think it's a it's a genuine effort to get them involved and i think increasing numbers of women are watching the men's game but have been reluctant to get involved and this is a big effort to get them involved and it's fantastic isn't it you know i think the trouble is sport it still is tied up with sort of masculine identities and and yet everything it can give you you really want as a as a woman all the kind of this camaraderie and the team spirit and the fitness and health and the all the joyous side of it is mm -hmm. all there in football so it's great if they promote Good that point. actively 
Nat? So the actual campaign is the, it's called We Play Strong. And one of the mm. things that really chimed um, for me when, when looking at the story was the success of the This Girl Can campaign and mm. all of the, the videos that we're seeing with that with women, ordinary women going about their lives, choosing new sports, getting involved from boxing to tennis and, and archery and all, all of these things and just saying, I'm doing something that I love and it also makes me feel great. Um, yeah. Because this is targeting one sport specifically, do you think it might detract from some of those other campaigns or is it complementary? I think the more we do, the better, really. And it's, you know, football's got a lot of weight behind it. It's got a lot of money. I think the fact that they're deciding to make a conscious effort, I mean, they're particularly going for teenage girls, aren't they? Which is fantastic. Mm, I think it's brilliant, you know. A whole bunch of girls playing football in the evening and then and meeting up, I think is is a brilliant thing and I I, th- and I take your point and but I think that it's we're in a position where we want I mean the more people offering opportunities to girls and getting girls and getting them playing sport I think the better fitter healthier and happier we will be as a society yeah. Good point. Emma yes I, I really loved the video when I saw it and it just looks also like they're sort of mimicking the this girl can campaign and we all know how important role models are you can't be what you can't see time and time again mm. but I'm sitting here thinking to myself why have they invested all this money in an ad campaign can, why are they not investing in seeing more women on mainstream media you know why you just need more women's football broadcast on TV right rather than just doing these ad campaigns well I think I, I mean I'm not sure about I think it's a kind of it's a dual aspect problem. I think the problem you have is that women don't. So a lot of sports that have tried to do this in the past. So, so like there was a in golf they tried to get more women and girls playing golf. So at golf clubs they had big signs up saying women can play free. But that's in the golf club. And the problem is getting people there. Mm. You don't. Fit, you know, a woman drives up to a golf club. But it's a very masculine domain, and they don't go in what you need to do is take it to them. So when they started taking golf into schools, then girls were playing it and enjoying it and then felt empowered to go into clubs. So okay. I think you can you can have, you can put role models, you can get, you know, someone like Jessica Ennis in the, all over the paper when she does well in, in, um, in the Olympics. But that doesn't necessarily get girls going into athletics clubs. Thank you very much, Alison. That's really good points. Thank you so much. Um, so what do you think? Do you think this campaign is going to be enough to get women into football? Do we need to see it more over the media? You tell us. You can tweet us at Badass Women's Hour, HR at Badass Women's Hour. Um, or if you want to know more, you can come to our live event at the W Hotel on the 7th of June. Um, no, not that date. What date is it, Nat? The 6th of June. 6th of June. I knew that. <laughs> 6th of June. Live event at the W Hotel on the 6th of June, where we'll be talking to Alison and some other brilliant female sports heroes about what is changing in the industry. Coming up next, we have Hannah Witten, YouTube star, talking to us all things sex, relationships and female fertility. So stay tuned for that. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Emma Sexton and Natalie Campbell. And we're also joined by the fantastic Hannah Whitten, YouTube star and author of the new book, Doing It. Welcome, Hannah. Hi. Welcome, welcome. So, Hannah, just before the break, we were talking about women in football and whether we could get more women interested in football. And apparently you are a fan. Is this right? Yeah. um, I am a, like, born and bred Manchester City fan. And then um, it was actually after reading Anna Kessel's book, Eat, Sweat, Play, I was like, oh, my God, I need to get into women's football. And I was like, oh, Manchester City have a women's team. What? (laughs) And so, um, yeah, I've just been kind of following them and supporting them fantastic but this is not just being a supporter of Manchester City is not your day job tell us a little bit about (laughs) what you do and how you got into it um so I'm a vlogger and I got into it about six years ago just from watching a lot of YouTube videos and kind of like becoming a fan and really just enjoying watching lots of different vloggers and then I thought hey I want I want to join in (laughs) like give me a slice of that pie um so I started just making videos and six years later here we are. <laughs> yeah. So tell us a little bit about what you vlog about because you have quite a specific topic, right? Yeah, so I mostly talk about things relating to sex and relationships um, and then women's health as well and things like that. So um, doing like sex education and just talking about anything. Like nothing, nothing is off limits for me really. Mm. It's just kind of about talking about these things openly and honestly and creating like a really safe space um, for people to come to my channel and how old were you when you got started? I was nineteen. 
Yeah. Wow. So what was it like being the kind of voice of sex and relationships at 19? I, so I didn't start out making sex ed videos. I, I actually started making food videos, which are like all private because I was like, they're so bad. But um, <laughs> I just cringe like watching them. Ooh. But um, I started making sex ed content. Probably actually I might have still still been 19 when I did that. Yeah. But um, I, d- I don't think I really ever thought about the pressure of it at the beginning because it was just something that I did for fun and sex ed was something that like really interested me even before I started making YouTube videos Mm. or discovered YouTube videos um and Lacey Green who is a US sex ed um YouTuber um was someone that I watched and who really inspired me and I didn't see anyone doing that in the UK and so I thought hey amazing I'm gonna do that Matt how do how do we make sex education and talking about sex especially as women women mainstream because I still feel that it it doesn't have a taboo as much, mm. but we don't talk about it. It's still not part of national curriculum in the way that it should be. Um, there's still a bit of a, oh, we're talking about yeah. sex, or we're, we're having to sort of have a jovial conversation about sex as opposed to a, this is this is a fundamental part of life and mm-hmm. living. It's something we should enjoy. It's something that, going back to our earlier conversation, we should have a sense of agency in. And I feel like when research is done, and we'll come on to a story in a minute, it's done f- through the male gaze. So what does this mean for men? No, it's sure. our bodies. Yeah, yeah. When can we start having a mainstream, educated, research-based conversation about sex and what it means for us? It's, it's ridiculous as well, especially in terms of like the research around um, female health, women's mm-hmm. health. It's just a lot of it just isn't there. Mm-hmm. And... To bring it back to Anna, Anna Kessel's book again, because <laughs> I'm just obsessed with her. Um, <laughs> but it, um, there's lo- she cites loads of different studies around sport and fitness and bodies and things like that, and says that the results of these studies are kind of like used universally. And it's just like this is how human being mm. bodies react to different kinds of physical activity. And then she's like, oh, by the way, all of these studies, the only subjects in them were men. And you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and this, and so that same thing is um, just prevalent amongst uh, sexual health and genital health research and all of that kind of stuff as well. We just, the reason why I think so many people find women's brains, bodies, sexual desires like such a mystery is because, it's, you know, sometimes it's a mystery to ourselves as well. Like the science isn't there. It's like, yeah. help us understand ourselves. Yep. So there was this great study that came out to this week, not great, actually like mildly shocking. Yeah. So it came out this week, which is um, a piece of research that's being done on endometriosis. And I was quite excited about that because I don't think enough research has been done on endometriosis, except what they're researching is how endometriosis affects men's sex lives. Sure. I was like, because <laughs> that's the only way they can make it mainstream so that's, the men get the interested so they can do some research it's just not good enough to be about us it's so frustrating it a university paper as well I'm just yeah. like of all the things yeah. that you could explore and get some research and some knowledge out in the world and you kind of pick that really yeah. because I think we've all got friends that suffer from endometriosis and it can be paralyzing um, especially when there's a bad flare-up. But again, going back to your point, the research is done through a male gaze because, it's it, again, it's not good enough to do it about us. And I I, I guess I assume part of the work that you're doing with, with the sex ed and, and having this open conversation is yeah. just getting people to, if the research isn't there, talking about it amongst their friends and, um, I guess, asking questions which... in down the line might get someone to do some research yeah. and actually dig into this. Absolutely. Like, my whole thing is... Like, I don't have all the answers. I'm just one person, Mm -hmm. but I'm someone who is interested in this and passionate about it. And I'm going to ask questions and um, my my audience are very responsive to that. And often they'll have information that I don't know. And it's like a lot of sharing of resources, which is amazing. Um, But yeah, with my my series, The Hormone Diaries, which is um, I came off the pill last summer and I've just been documenting the process of like yeah. the changes to my body and hormones and all of this kind of stuff. Um, there's just so much that we don't know. And I've just felt like I've just dipped my toes into all of this stuff. Can you give us some insight into that? So what, like, what's three things that you've noticed? Oh, since coming off the mm. pill? Um, so I've gained weight since coming off the pill. And before that, I, you know, what you hear, like I always thought that you go on the pill and you gain weight. Yeah. That's like the main story that we hear. But obviously it affects 
every woman differently. Um, yeah, so I've gained weight. Um, I I'm like so broody. I I came, I came <laughs> off the pill and like I've single for like five and a half years mm. happily I came off the pill and was like oh, give me a boyfriend and a baby right now and like luckily I, I found the boyfriend so I have one of those now and now I'm like baby no. like it's mad like you just kind of like I just want a baby inside of me um which was weird coming to terms with as a, a feminist as well like and as yeah. a feminist like grown up in a feminist household and like um, been like happily independently single for all this time and I'm like oh my god I'm a traditional woman <laughs> um, obviously that's completely fine but I think it was just like my identity shifted I was yeah. like oh. um, Hannah how shit. do you cope with being so um, so open and so outspoken I watched a few of your videos last <laughs> night and I thought they're phenomenal not only because you're so open and honest but you also seem to have really researched your topic so you always give really great advice one I particularly love was you um, using a moon cup for the first yeah. time so I've been really curious about those <laughs> but the video that you did and the outtakes I was like this is phenomenal because I know that would be my experience but this girl has, has done it <laughs> she's just been really raw with it and put it out there like how do you cope with that how does like your family how yeah. is your, your partner coping with your really amazing but like raw honesty um i love that you was use the word cope i, I, I don't feel like i have to cope, cope with it as much um i think my my family probably in some way are coping with it in their own way but they've they've all been really supportive um my gran watches like all my videos oh, um wow. and she watched like the one the hormone diaries episode on period sex and she was like it's horrible I'm like yeah it's alright for you you don't have periods anymore <laughs> like, you know some of us have got to make do <laughs> you know but um, yeah I don't know I feel like I over the years of doing this I have been able to kind of adjust and set myself very clear boundaries that I have with what I want to share online and to a lot of people it does seem like oh my god she's oversharing all of this information and um, it's too much or whatever but actually from my side where I'm sitting it's incredibly calculated what yeah. I'm sharing and you know from the the filming process like I edit my videos and then I, you know, the whole process filming editing and uploading there are so many different points along that process where I could go actually no I'm gonna take that out um so everything that people see online is like stuff that I'm like yep yeah, happy with well happy with currently obviously yeah. we sometimes regret things <laughs> years <laughs> years later but um you're conscious and in control yes a hundred percent and so this connects back to another question which i think is it, it's a consistent thing i i seem to be asking and it's probably completely my own prejudice but what do you consider yourself to be do you consider yourself a writer are you a businesswoman yeah. oh are you God. a blogger what what are you and what is it that you <laughs> want to be what you know what do you do in 10 years time or 20 years yeah. time i'm intrigued you, you want me to have an existential crisis right now <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. no this, this is generally something i think about a lot and me and my friends who um like are all in the same position i, I swear i heard some like media outlet calling this like the slashy generation because we're like writer slash oh, yeah, blogger yeah, yeah. slash producer slash like all of these things um and yeah i don't it's a nightmare when you're trying to write a Twitter bio. Like, it's just like, what do what do I call myself? Um, but yeah, I think I'd like to call myself a, a vlogger mm -hmm. rather than YouTuber just because um, I feel like vlogger is more like the verb, like that, that's what I'm yep. doing. Yep. Whereas YouTuber is like tied to one platform. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Vine died. Yeah. Snapchat is dying. Yeah. Like YouTube, I mean, it looks pretty strong right now, but like, could yeah, die. Point. If YouTube dies, I won't be a YouTuber anymore, but I can still be a vlogger because yeah. I still have a camera and an internet connection. Yeah. Um, uh, writer, book, mm -hmm. blog, uh, you know, uh, uh, what else? Presenter, host, producer, podcaster. <laughs> I don't know. There's just so much. Um, I I don't like the the word influencer, even though like that's what. I am as well, even Own though it. I don't like it. Own it. it. Yeah. Own the influence but, but is con very important. Content creator, but everyone's a content creator. <laughs> so I don't know. There's just so much. It's okay. We'll give you time and you can have an existential crisis. <laughs> yeah. now. We'll hold so, you up. Don't worry I, about it. Sometimes I like producer because then that's just like, you know, with everything that I do, if I were 
a production company. Mm. I'm a one-woman production company, and so then I'd be the, the producer or director of it of everything. Yeah, take that. Yeah. Also, the producers, <laughs> that's where the money is. So, you know, <laughs> come on, come on. <laughs> so we're going to keep Hannah with us for our next section as well. But Hannah, you do have a book, so tell us about it very yeah. quickly. Um, it's called Doing It, and it is all about sex and relationships. It is basically an advice book. Um, I like to think that this kind of should be in every school library. Um, but it's for like 14 plus, so it's kind of like for teenagers and young adults. And it's got a few little anecdotes in there of mine, but it just covers everything from, you know. Fab. Everything. And it's out now. <laughs> so you can go and get it. Yeah. But we're going to get some of her wisdom right now with our badass balls up. So stay tuned for that. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour, three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-host Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. And this week we also have vlogger Hannah Whitten in the studio with us. Thank you, Hannah. Hello. Hello. Uh, so we are now in our Badass Balls Ups, our problem page section where we try and use our combined wisdom, nearly a hundred years of it, to help <laughs> you with your problems. I honestly don't know how helpful we are, but we really try and that's what matters. <laughs> so Emma, tell us, what is our first problem this week so the first problem we've got is kind of a a amalgamation of lots of conversations i have when i work with entrepreneurs through our flock network um and basically the question is you're about to launch your new business when you find a rival with an planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Almost identical idea... How would you respond? Ooh. Oh, my God. Almost identical, but not identical. Exactly. Hannah, how do you cope? Because <laughs> obviously, the vlogging world, is there's just hundreds of people starting new stuff yeah. every single day. How do you distinguish yourself? And would you have said, oh, somebody else is already doing that, so I'm going to stay away from it? Well, I went, someone else is already doing that, so I'm going to do it too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think it's just like, there's there's always going to be a particular niche that you can fill because you are you and completely unique and that means your brain is and your ideas are and so yes someone else is doing something but try and like ignore that and like carve your own path and think what skills do I have and what resources do I have mm. that can make this like my own mm, great advice now would you say collaborate or compete which one no, I, I agree. I don't think you really need to do either. I think you you'll have your own lane. There's more than enough. There's there's more than enough abundance to go around. No one will execute your vision in the same way that you will. So get on with it. Understand what they do. Figure out what makes you different. Keep going. I agree, but I do think there's also an element, and I have this all the time, where I see people doing stuff really similar to me, and I really admire their work, and I love them as people. There's always a little part of my deep dark heart which says. <laughs> damn you for taking that story that should have been mine um and just kind of knowing that actually somebody can do something amazing and a little part of you can be a bit jealous and a bit upset about it mm. but there's still going to be space for you to be amazing too i agree i but i read elizabeth gilbert's big uh, big magic mm. and it talks about this concept of 
what is meant for you will be yours and you can execute it and sometimes you might have an idea and you don't deliver on it and someone else does so she talks about I think it's a hug she gives someone and she believes her book idea transfers to this person and it's so like it's weird how how similar the idea is to the one that she had but she never wrote and that that thing for me is what is yours is will, will happen it just will and therefore if something appears and it's similar to yours then it wasn't well, it, it's my philosophical existential yeah. <laughs> sort of way of view no it. i'm the same i think with businesses these days you have access to the whole world mm. your brand becomes even more important you'll never do it the same way mm. as somebody else you can learn from those people uh, seth uh, godin who's mm. an amazing writer he always talks about finding your tribe and i think vloggers are a prime example about that mm-hmm. in terms of like you build your fan base yeah. Um, you know, but there's lots of vloggers out there, but they've all got their own sort of fans, their own tribe. So, yeah. and you also kind of share it between you, right, Hannah? So there's lots of kind of yeah jumping a, in and out of each other's videos, a right? A lot of collaboration, and actually, like collaborating in terms of uh, on YouTube is probably one of the best ways to grow your channel. And it's not a case of like these people are just watching me, and if then if they're watching you, then that means they're not watching me. Mm. Often they'll watch both and with a lot of uh, the people that I collaborate with we've got like an overlap in audience and then when you do uh, like a video together suddenly the people that didn't know about you like jump over and you um, some of your subscribers jump over there and it's like yeah. mutually beneficial to everybody um, but with the jealousy thing so like I often like get <laughs> jealous like it's just a thing and um, but I use it to motivate me yeah yeah I like I just kind of like channel all of that <laughs> hatred <laughs> I was like how dare you but um when I when I um realize that I'm feeling jealous I always like to kind of acknowledge it and mm. then just kind of go okay no but this energy is best spent over here doing my own thing and succeeding on my own terms love it thank you Nat what is your question for this week so my question this week comes from Fed. Uh, so our, that's our, our producer um, asked us uh, about a book idea and she um, said no to a publishing deal. And she's wondering if it was actually a good idea. It, she wasn't necessarily happy with the, the offer or the publishers. And she's thinking, actually, I can keep working on it and make it better and wait for the opportunity um, to arise again. Um, but she's not sure. So she wants to know what she should do. Emma, what would you do? Do you work with people that you don't like just because it's an opportunity? Uh, do you know what? I think it's really nice to sort of go, oh yes, I'm, you know, I'll I'll stay true to like my my ethics. But sometimes if you've got like we know, I mean, I can't. Uh, repeat the book title because it was so phenomenal and academic and super smart but I just feel like that book needs to be out in the world so there's a bit of me going yes I totally get where you're coming from and I'm full of admiration for Fed for for standing up for that but at the same time I feel like her book should be out there and then when you get one book out there then Mm -hmm. you start to have the the influence to then start to be you know really having get yourself in a position of influence where you can start to affect change um, that doesn't impact on you so negatively so I would be a bit like I would have gone for it to be honest. Hannah, have you ever had that situation where somebody's offered you something and you know it's a great opportunity, but you don't know whether you want to take it or work with them? Yeah, um, that happens a lot in terms of like brands who want to do sponsored videos and stuff. Um, but whatever it is, I can like weigh the pros and cons up and down, but I it always, more often than not, comes down to a gut feeling. Yeah. And whatever my gut instinct is, I'm kind of like, that's kind of what I have to do. There, there are certain things like checkboxes that I have. But then if if after the checkboxes, I'm still like, I don't know, it's gut. But um, with the book stuff, I don't know. Does Fed have a, a literary agent to like fight your battles for you? You know? Yeah, great idea. Because then when it comes to um, getting the offer and if you don't like the, the people that you're working with, as long as you have like your vision and everything like written out in a contract and signed by them and you have that, then that will really really help you and like a good literary agent will um like fight your corner because the, your literary agent works for you mm. and that that's how it works whereas the publisher works for the publishing house um so if you have someone like fighting your corner and fighting your battles and making sure the contract works in your favor then um maybe you like the people that you work with maybe you don't but at least like you're confident that the book that will come out at the end of it is the one that you wanted 
Brilliant. So our final question this week um, came from Colleen on our Facebook page. And she says um, she has just recently started dating and she's downloaded Tinder and she wants to get back out there on the dating scene and meet someone. But she has put on a bit of weight and she's not feeling that confident in herself. Mm. And so she's got herself in a situation where she can talk to people. But the second they suggest meeting up, she gets too scared and she can't do it. Hannah, I know yeah. you've actually done a video on this recently, right? Yeah. So what's your advice? Oh, God. I'm still looking for the advice on this as well. <laughs> but I've, I've um, got a few nuggets of wisdom. Um, so if, first of all, this is what like I'm doing at the moment, is um, make sure that you have clothes that like fit you and look good on you and make you feel amazing so that... It, it just really helps. It seems like superficial, but it really mm-hmm. does help. So when you go on these dates, you like you feel amazing in your date outfit. Um, but then the other thing is, is that in your Tinder profile, like have full body pictures. So it, so it's not like a oh they've just seen my face and we've been talking and I'm going to show up and like they're going to hate me. They're going to think I'm disgusting. Like though all of those like negative thoughts that we get whereas if you have like you know a good mix of like face pictures and full body pictures of you currently presently now then you'll know that if they've agreed to go on a date with you like they've already seen what you look like and like they're not going to care and I think that's such a great point which is actually we forget that people like a range of shapes sizes looks ideas and I remember going out with this guy for years and years in my 20s and we broke up and I was really unhappy about how I looked and how I felt in myself and a friend of mine saying to me but do you think he would have gone out with you for that long if he didn't have a thing for women who were a bit curvy? Mm. And I was like, oh. And I looked at everyone who he dated mm. subsequently and we were all the same shape. <laughs> oh! <laughs> this is the trouble with dating apps, though, because it just ignores that kind of life rule 101, which is about managing expectations, because I just think that's the downfall with, with these Tinder apps, and that's why I just can't do them, is because you have lots of expectations about mm. the person you're going to meet. You get a perception from the images that are posted, mm. even if you're being really, like, honest and, you know, about, you know, what you look like, people can't can't help but have an expectation of you so if you don't meet that you're going to fail on that first date if um, you do meet that or exceed it you're going to have a good date that's basically the conclusion I've come from internet dating that what do you think <laughs> I'm going to say actually maybe don't go on the dates spend some time getting to love yourself oh that is why self self yeah. love yeah. an over, overused word but but true but never an overused thing ladies no exactly self self love and get to feel comfortable in your body because the moment you feel comfortable and you're like you know you feel like your swag's on point you won't care what someone thinks or doesn't think about you because you just think you're amazing you think you're badass and that's the most important thing great point to end there with so wise (laughs) (laughs) and if you have a question or a problem or just something you'd like our help with as ever do feel free to tweet us at badass women's hour at HR at Badass Women's Hour or find us on Instagram, Facebook, all the socials um, and we want to hear what you think. Do you agree with our answers this week? Do you have a Tinder profile? How do you build up confidence with it? Do come and tell us. We always like to know. But we need to say a big thank you to our guest this week Hannah Whitten. Thanks Woo! for joining us Hannah. Thanks, Thanks Hannah. Hannah. Thank you. Um, and but of course this is not the end of our show because coming up we have our backdated badass, a woman from history that you really need to know more about and this week's is a journalist museum curator and just all all-round renaissance woman so stay tuned for that badass women's hour with harriet mincer natalie campbell and emma sexton on talk radio she'll get you talking welcome to the badass women's hour three women one hour all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on talk radio i'm harriet minter and i'm joined by my co-host natalie campbell and emma sexton and this is the part of the show when we tell you about an amazing woman from history that you need to know more about our backdated badass and this week's backdated badass comes from ernestina Potts. so ernestina tell us who have you picked and why Hi there. Um, Yeah, I picked a lady called Ernestine Carter, who basically was a fashion journalist, but much more. Um, So she was kind of, um, well, started off working in museums and then she became women's editor at the Sunday Times in the 60s and then was eventually promoted to associate associate editor of the Sunday Times. So I just thought... In, especially in that industry at that time, that's pretty pioneering in itself. Mm. But also just kind of what she covered was really um, forward thinking. She very much kind of pioneered the thought around um, 
fashion being a form of art. You know, she spoke about the, the mix between architecture and fashion and also really gave a platform to a lot of pioneering kind of um, swinging 60s type uh, designers like Mary Quant, who totally just kind of encouraged women not to think that if you like fashion, you're rev- really friv- frivolous and stupid and like actually fashion is a form of self-expression and just because you wear a miniskirt, it doesn't mean you're a slut and that's not even a bad thing anyway and all that stuff. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's just very inspiring to me in a lot of different ways and like just did loads of cool things in her life. So what I really liked about her was this idea that she is a bit of a kind of renaissance woman. So she is a woman who was interested in art, in architecture, in fashion, in journalism. She looked at things and brought them all together. Yeah, totally. And she also like um, did a cook, did like a cookery column and and had a cookbook called Flash in the Pan, which again, the title just made me laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Always a good reason. Multitasking, like even when multitasking wasn't a thing. um... (laughs) And the 60s in Britain was really a time when fashion became something that we talked about and celebrated. Right. And so was she part of that? Yeah, totally. So, like, part of her, like, fashion in itself was quite elitist and, like, really high price point. And she was kind of part of that movement of just saying, look, fashion can be, like, clothes can be fashionable at all sorts of different price points. So, again, just totally empowering for mainstream people and kind of uh, just bringing it to the masses, which for me is a good thing. Um, and I love that in 1966, she um, was the first individual fashion journalist to be invited to select an outfit for the dress of the year. Yes, and have you seen the outfit? <laughs> Tell us about it. Was it. amazing. Well, it's like, it was super fresh. It's like PVC dress, basically, <laughs> but like really fresh design. Again, quite architectural. And like literally, if you saw this in Vogue today or something, you'd be like, wow, that is pretty cool. I mean, I'm not saying like you'd necessarily wear it down the office or something but um it it, it was pretty inspirational and that was the 60s and so just imagine all the connotations of what else was going on and you know all the judgment and things around that so again another example of her being totally badass Mm. i like the fact that she continued to work so she retired from the sunday times um in 1972 but actually she didn't really retire because she then went on to write uh, a number of books and she wrote up until um her her death but we had a question uh, just in terms of um how you found her is it was there a name connection was that part of the inspiration or did Uh, were you just across her generally not really i think so i um run a jewelry business called milk to london and um it's very much kind of all about well we only make statement earrings so Mm -hmm. it's all about bringing badass jewelry uh to women and um it is very much inspired by kind of that sort of you should wear things you love. You should feel empowered by them. So a lot of her thinking actually really resonates with that. And actually kind of our latest connection is inspired by um, postmodern architecture as well. So um, some people kind of look at me weird when I say that. But I think, um, you know, she was doing it long before me. And actually, I didn't even realize um, some of the stuff she was involved with at the time. But it just felt a bit of a kindred spirit in that way. And yeah, we happen to have practically the same name, which is um, <laughs> just totally random, but you know, maybe destiny, who knows? <laughs> Definitely destiny. Fabulous. Okay, well, thank you, Ernestina. It's been great to talk to you and great to know a little bit more about Ernestine Carter herself. Um, and as ever, if you want to know more about a backdated badass or you want to suggest somebody to be a backdated badass for us, then do tweet us at Badass Women's Hour, HR at Badass Women's Hour, or find us on Facebook, Instagram, all the socials, and tell us who you think we should be featuring in this section. Uh, so we're heading towards the end of our show now, but as ever, we like to leave you with a thought for the week. So something you can do to live your life in a more badass way in the coming seven days. So now, what is our badass principle for the week? Our badass principle this week is get ready. So I think of June as the halfway mark in the year. It's not because there's still sort of seven months to go. But if you're sitting at home thinking... I really want this thing to happen or I want to change jobs or I want a new life or I want to relocate or whatever it is this is your moment to make it happen make this your 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 new year start it now get ready to do that thing you've always wanted to do so that by the time the end of the year comes you are the person you told yourself you were going to be over in January that you know that horrible time that was so long ago that we all set ridiculous goals well we didn't set goals because we don't set goals (coughs) but yeah get ready 
Emma, what does it mean for you? Well, to be honest, <laughs> we have approached June. Get ready for me is like, get ready for a holiday because I need a lie down. <laughs> I've not had, I don't even think I've had a holiday this year. It's boring. It's so boring. So for me, it's about getting ready to have a bit of time out to really like think about the last six months, like just ref- have some time to just stop and reflect, mm. but then also to go, right, okay, you've got, you come back from that, you've got half a year left to really start, um, you know, stepping your game up if I've been slacking on my plans for the year. <laughs> <laughs> so what I quite like about this week's Badass Principles, I think, you know, obviously we've got an election coming up and we're going to go into a period of kind of maybe some change, maybe some big decisions being made, maybe things moving around us that we don't have a lot of control over and so for me get ready is about actually being like what do you need to look at in your life right now to maybe put a little just some safety planning in some security setting around it so for example right now I'm trying to be much more responsible with my finances which is a struggle for me (laughs) Um, it's not my natural state but I am looking at it and saying well actually I know that as a freelancer I'm about to go into summer and that's not generally the kind of period where I make the most money so I need to look after that and I also need to make sure that whatever happens post-election that I'm financially in a safe place so I can deal with other people's insecurities or worries around it so for me get ready is actually about like what are the threads like slightly like you said now what are the threads in your life that you maybe need to just give a little pull at to make sure you're totally sorted and settled but I'll also be taking a holiday. Is this also your first full year of being freelance? Nearly. We're a month out. Okay. Month out. Okay, it'll be a party, right? (laughs) We're going to put a marker in on that. July the 7th. (laughs) Big party. Uh, So that's all for us this week on the Badass Women's Hour, but we'll be back with you again next week, same time, same place. And of course, if you want to see us and meet us and spend some time with us, you know what you should do? You should come to our live event on Women in Sport at the W Hotel London on the 6th of June. Got the date this time. On the 6th of June. And you can find details by finding us on Twitter at Badass Women's Hour, HR at Badass Women's Hour, or Facebook or Instagram. All the details are on our social media. And of course, if you want to talk to us individually, you can come find me at Harriet Minter, Nat at Nat D. Campbell and Emma at Emma Sexton and we'll be back on Talk Radio again next week Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio she'll get you talking Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like European linen premium luggage options buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.